Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved and sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi.com slash pick and drive rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Quake Cooper, for the win, it's on its way, it's on its way, it's gone! Quake Cooper is the man! Hey there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, we're diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved! How's your week been, Mitch? It's good. Very good. Rugby is back on. So we had a lot of rugby to watch over the weekend. Very excited by some of the results and by some of the performances by the Australian teams in particular. So very happy, very happy rugby podcaster that we have more rugby to talk about. How good. And I am Ando. Very nice to be here with you. I had a great weekend. Went to the pub yesterday with a bunch of mates. Started at 2pm. Didn't leave until after the last game had finished and we kicked on a little bit afterwards. And I'm a dad with young kids, so that like never happens. So it was nice to be able to go out and have a full day with the mates just watching rugby the entire time. So I don't remember a couple of matches, but we'll get to that in due course. And uh, yeah, it was great. So why don't you go through our social media platforms before we start talking about what we're going to be doing this evening. Fantastic. So we're on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We're on Facebook at the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast page. And we're also on Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby. Absolutely brilliant. Now we do have our Super Brew tipping competition, which has obviously begun with the beginning of Super Rugby Pacific. At this point in time, we have 118 people in our pool, which is absolutely fantastic. I can proudly say that I'm coming 98th out of that 118. So it could be worse. At least I'm better than 20 other people. Um, I think I'm 96 <laughs> or something. I was 93rd. You're 93rd, 93rd, is it? Okay, 93. Yeah. I, I had a... Going into the Reds game, I was sitting up in like equal third. So I was feeling pretty confident and I thought, you know, this is looking good. I'm going to be in the top 10, hopefully, by the end of the round. And with that many people, it only takes half a point or not even half a point to throw you 60 places down the ladder. <laughs> so it's Mate, fun, believe, but it's brutal. B- believe it or not, for our dear listeners, um, I did not actually really want to pick the Canes getting up over the Crusaders. Um, when we When we were putting our social post out with all of our picks... We actually all picked the exact same teams uh, to win every round. Did so we? we started to go, well, what a, anybody have some things that might be an upset? And I was like, ah, oh, maybe the Satyrs sometimes start a bit slow. I guess if I have to swap, I'll put some money. I'll, I'll go down on the Canes. Um, didn't work out. Did not work out. And I've got to say, I, I did the same with the Western Force. So I was initially backing the Brumbies, but I thought, you know what? The, the Force had a pretty good lead into 2022. I'll pick them. And... 
from the results, I was going close. all right. It was very yeah. close. Very Last close. two minutes of the game, that got taken away from you. I'm sorry. But without any further ado, the winner for the yellow cap, the best picking round is Tiger86 with 9.5. So congratulations. A fantastic round. And it's basically already over and done with for me. So I may as well give up after round one. Uh, but Mitch, we got some pretty cool news. We have been doing this podcast for how long now? Can you remember? This is our third season, so three years. Does it? That's that's a long time. Is that We've right? We've been doing this for a long. Uh, I think. Yeah, it sounds about right. We should probably have thought about that one before we actually right. started saying. We'll say, this, but it's we'll been say three time. years. We'll say three years. It's it definitely good. good season. Um, we are at the point where we're wanting to try and improve the quality of what we do. And you may have heard an ad read as you came into this podcast where we're asking for just some tips or donations, if you want to, to coffee, ko-fi.com slash pick and drive rugby. Mitch, why are we asking for donations and what's going to happen with any donation that comes in? Yeah, so all donations that the fantastic fans out there do decide to give us if they do, and we have no obligation either way. We appreciate everything that is donated, goes directly back into the pod. And we've got some very exciting ideas that we would love to do. And to this point, we've been bankrolling it ourselves and it's been fun and it's been great and it's been awesome to see where we've got to. But we're kind of getting to a point now where it's like, we probably can't grow much further with the amount of money that we are putting into it. So it's just a way for fans to really get involved and help shape the product that they, can, that they end up receiving. And one of the reasons we went through Kofi as a... a platform was that there's no commitment there it's not a subscription it's not like patreon you don't have to subscribe and pay monthly it's a one-off thing so if you want to give us a few bucks totally fine we really appreciate it and it will all feed directly back into the pod and hopefully we can then increase our exposure we can get better guests on we can sound better and we might be able to bribe our way onto stan sports (laughs) <laughs> that's really we just need some dirty money that can be laundered laundered for stan sports appearances that that's really it um so either way if you do feel like donating like mitch said there is no obligation we would very much appreciate it go to ko-fi.com slash pick and drive rugby so thanks for your support let's get back to what we're going to be talking about tonight so we're obviously going to be starting off with the review of round one of the super rugby pacific Comp- competition We'll then shift into the hot take of the week. Now, after we've had our hot take, we're then going to have a bit of a, to- a section which is called the presser. Mitch, what is that? So, very exciting news for 2022. We've been in chats with the Waratahs team and uh, Toby at the Waratahs particularly. Got to give him a shout out because he's been a great support to us so far. He's given us media access to the Waratahs this year. So, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to attend the press conference after the Waratahs game last Friday, and we will be able to continue doing that for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, at this point, it's only the Waratahs we have access to. We are Sydney-based. We don't have the capabilities like Stan Sport to fly to Brisbane or to Melbourne and, and attend those press conferences as much as we would love to do that. Uh, it's probably not realistic at the moment. But at, <laughs> at the current access we've been given allows us access to the press conferences so we can ask your questions we can ask directly to the captain and the coach of all of the teams that are playing hopefully throughout the season we will get through all of them COVID permitting but what is going to be awesome about that is we will send out a tweet sometime in the lead up to the 
full-time at a Waratahs game. Uh, and we will ask for your input. We want to know your questions for both teams. So this coming Friday, the Waratahs play the Reds. We'll send a tweet out hopefully around 9 o'clock, getting close to full-time. We have a bit of time after full-time until the press conference actually starts, so we'll be able to then go through and, and get and collate all of the hopeful questions that come through, flooding all yeah. the questions through, find the best few, put them to the coaches, put them to DC, put them to Thorny, and uh, hopefully we can get them answering your questions. And I think that that's an incredibly cool experience because literally nowhere else in the Australian rugby media landscape do you have the opportunity to directly ask questions of the coaches minutes after the match is finished. So we're basically going to be your portal. We're going to be the people on the ground that can provide you with that access and opportunity. So keep an eye out for those social posts that we'll be doing really close to the matches or right at the end of the match. It'll depend. We'll just kind of vary it a little bit. But just know and keep your eyes out that we want your hot takes, opinions and insights. Nothing rude because we want to get invited back. (laughs) But we're not worried about asking a couple of uh, spicy or challenging questions. So send them in. We'd love to hear it. After we've had our presser... Well, actually, we don't even need to really talk about it. That's We've now discussed it. We're then going to be shifting to the locker room and then... Mitch, you've got something pretty exciting called Getting Tipsy, which we might hold off on explaining what that is until we get to it. So well, that's do you want to well, dive? No, I will explain it because this isn't a, sex, a segment in this podcast. So what the thought around Getting Tipsy is, we release the pod on a Monday night. We have no idea what teams are going to be announced. We have no idea who, what players are going to pick up injuries on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to the Super Rugby uh, opening games of that weekend, as we saw this week, Hunter Paisami Hunter pulled Paisami. out hours before the kickoff in Brisbane. So last year we were quite tentative and uh, what, what would be the word? Uh, we we made our predictions of how the game was going to go on the weekend purely off the performance of the week before without any further input. So yeah, we ended up down the bottom of the tipping comp. So this is one of the reasons we're doing this so that we don't have to stick to our tipping, our tips that announced on Sunday night, but I'm going to be hosting a segment on Facebook Thursday, hopefully revealed about 8 PM. And we'll be joined by various people as the season wears on where we will reveal our tips, maybe go into a little bit of a preview. It won't be live like the live streams we were doing last year. Uh, That's, turned out to be probably just a little bit too complicated in terms of logistics at the moment but that might be something we can do as the season wears on uh, at this point it will just be a pre-recorded video that goes out live at eight o'clock on a thursday night revealing our tips for the weekend and any previews that we want to say so that's what that is All right. look out for it on our facebook page sounds great well why don't we dive into our round one review let's go Super Rugby Pacific round one has finished and we're going to go through this backwards. So we'll go, we'll start with the game that finished most recently, which was the Brumbies versus the Force and the Brumbies pipped the Force in a nail-biting clinch up right at the end, 29-23 that went well into overtime. So Ando, first up, what was your thoughts around this game? Were you impressed with both sides? Were you heartbroken for the Force? 
How did you feel coming out of this? Mate, I was pretty devastated for the Force fans um, that are out there because they muscled, the Force muscled up so well against the Brumbies and really disrupted them in so many areas of the game. The fact that they took the lead about six, yes, four, four to six minutes before the end of the match and then on one of the final plays of the game, went down to an absolute stunner of a try from a kick by um, Josh Fluke. Really, really hard to take. I was cheering them on because I thought that, you know what, I think an early force victory would really shape up the, um, shake up the dynamic of the Australian teams and the early rounds of this competition. It wasn't to be for the force fans, but they should be incredibly proud of their team. It was a great performance. Yeah, and... I, I've got to admit, I was working this afternoon, so I've only seen bits and pieces of the game. I didn't get to see the whole thing. But from what I saw, from the bits and pieces I saw, it was a very fiery game. Ooh, yeah. And the, Nick White was up to his usual pesty self, taking on the tallest and then the widest player in the opposition by himself. So, well done, Nick White. You've, you're you on your way to having no-nos by the end of the comp. Uh, but first question... Was this the game of the weekend? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, it was with definitely the hottest contested. The ferociousness of the ruck defense and attack from both teams was absolutely incredible. There are going to be some very, very sore bodies out there um, right now and then at the recovery session tomorrow morning. That's going to be hard for them to recover from. Um, I think a big part of why the force was so effective was because they just threw themselves into nearly every single ruck. We know that their strength is their forward play and they had that on display this afternoon in bucket loads. Yeah, definitely. And it, I think it's great to see a competitive Western force side because it just goes to show the talent that is in rugby, in Australian rugby at the moment. And it sort of squashes some of those claims that people make around there not being enough talent for five teams. So the fact that we've had such a great first opening weekend in Australian rugby is is great for the game. And the other thought is that I'm very glad that this was a really intense and hardly fought victory for the Brumbies, that it wasn't an easy victory because the two previous Australian games, whilst... There wasn't great conditions for both of them to be played in. There was a lot of drop ball and and it wasn't the most entertaining to watch for fans. So the fact that the Brumbies in the force could really go hard at it at a dry pitch in in Canberra was great to see. Now, second question, what enabled the force to so effectively disrupt the Brumbies in this game? Look, I think two names that can just easily be thrown out as a big reason for it are Isaac Rodder and Feliti Kaitu. So Isaac Rodder was just making line-out turnovers just seem easy. He was laughing and enjoying the experience. And one of the commentators said it really well, I think, kind of halfway through the second half, where they pointed out that um, Rodder's not always stealing every ball, but he's almost always getting up off the ground and forcing Fahinga'a to be incredibly accurate with his throwing. And it's not a strength of Fahinga'a's. So... What that resulted in was a fair few line-out um, turnovers or just scuffed line-outs where it didn't go to the set plan that they had. And so one of the most effective um, Brumbies platforms was partly nullified. Now, to the Brumbies' credit, they did do a couple of different trick plays to kind of take Rodder out of the equation, a couple of short balls, a couple of deliberate overthrows to an on-rushing player that just kind of changed the dynamic and showed that they were a smart and adaptable team. But the force also did that as well. 
with some of their lineouts too. So it was great to just see that forward evolution. Um, the second point, and I already mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this is where Feliti comes into it, is the force were just dogged at the rucks. They were throwing people in and forcing the Brumbies to commit numbers, which meant that their um, ability to be more incisive in a direct play in the center of the park was minimized. Now, the Brumbies did have some success throughout the game on their wider play when they were able to get a couple of forward pods set up and then play out the back to get some width on it. But by and large, their ball was really disrupted. I mean, when you're looking at the turnover knock-ons, the Brumbies had 15 across the game to four from the force. The possession stats about halfway through the first half were 75% in favor of the force. So for a long while, the Brumbies just couldn't get their hands on the ball. And when they did, they'd turn over. So a lot has to be said for the defensive intensity of the force for disrupting the Brumbies' playing style. And I will have to ask about Ryan Lonigan, the man, the myth, the legend. How did he go in this game? Was It, it didn't come down to his after-the-siren penalty kick, which we saw last year. But how was his performance? Well, when Juan Lonigan just decides to let the rest of the team um, have their time in the limelight or in the spotlight, that's when another Lonigan steps up. So although Ryan didn't have to kick an extra-time penalty kick to win the game, his brother did have an incredibly great invol- involvement with the final try of the match. So incredibly well done to Nos Lonigan for getting that try, which ultimately won the Brumbies the game in the 79th minute. Um, look, Ryan Ryan was good. He was solid as always. Brought some. Um, he actually brought in a little bit of control in replacing Nick White. Nick White was quality, but he, uh, he, seemed, to, he seemed to sometimes fire up too much and almost lose his head a little bit. And I felt like Ryan, when he came on, I think it was like 55th minute or something like that, was um, just did his job and did his job well. But that's enough for the Ryan report. The Ryan report. We might have to do this every week now. <laughs> the Ryan report. Uh, so where to from here for both teams? Do yeah. This performance will definitely invigorate this Force team. And there's already a lot of talk on social media about the Force fans being really happy with this performance and really proud of the boys. The Brumbies fans also have reason to be happy with this result as well. The fact that they were able to get the ball back with so little to go and to get that try to, to turn the tide back in their favour. Where do you see the trajectory of both of these teams going from here? Look, I think um, we need to also say the force lost and they need to be making sure that they are not being comfortable with being valiant losers and to lose a game really closely and say, oh, but we played really well, so we're happy with that. They have the quality within their team to be winning these tight matches, and they need to make sure that they start converting these tight losses into tight wins. So that's just one thing I want to put out there. But that being said, the the force forward pack was absolutely incredible, and they had some really good moments of play, particularly from Ristran Pasatoa. He was great. Um... Mattielli had an incredible break up the center of the field that nearly set them up for a try. Uh, it was it was really solid performance. But earlier in our preseason reviews, we were pretty concerned about the backline play or the backline depth of the force, um, particularly with the fact that they had had so many players um, come in or leave and then come in over the off season. And I still think that's going to be their main weakness this season. As promising as players like. Um, Bailey Kunzel, Pasatoa, Fanzuele Wasser are, they're not the finished product yet, and they're going to make mistakes. 
So I'm just concerned that over the course of a long season, yes, they'll gain experience and confidence, but I'm not sure if they're going to have the capacity to change on a more reliable basis those narrow losses to the narrow wins because they simply don't have the experience. Yeah, and I think one positive that the Western Force can take out of this game is, yes, as you said, Ando, it is a loss and you want to be winning more games than you lose, but they got a losing bonus point out of this and I think that could be a really big factor later in the competition. So the Western Force are currently sitting on sixth on the table with the Brumbies in fifth above them. So there is three points uh, splitting them. So the Brumbies are on four points, the Western Force are on one point. But this could, particularly in the Australian contingent, could be a very tight competition. And getting bonus points, even losing bonus points, could be very pivotal later on in the in the year. Yeah, I agree. And um, in terms of the, the Brumbies, they'll be happy with the fact that they came out with this win. But it was a very error-ridden performance from a Brumbies team that normally tries to be more clinical. Uh, like I mentioned, huge credit to the Force lineup for disrupting the Brumbies lineup, but far out, how much would you just pay for Australian hookers that can actually throw straight um, and hit their target on a consistent basis? And it's a consistency particularly that we're looking for. Um, but also, like I mentioned before, the numbers of turnovers that they had or un- um, unforced knock-ons was mm-hmm. just outrageous. It was 15. They had 18 missed tackles. They had to make 145 tackles to 76 by the force. So they were made to really work for this win. So big credit to the team for being able to pull that off and dig deep. I always felt like um, the Brumbies were never out of it. Even when they got their try, in um, McIntyre went over for their try in, what, the 74th or so minute. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I never thought that the Brumbies were gone. I thought that if there was a team that was going to be able to come back and snatch it right back from them, it was the Brumbies, more so than the Reds, the Rebels, or any other team. Um, mm. And they do have that experience, that that cultural experience or organisational experience that they can be drawing back upon to say, yeah, we're down, yeah, we're hurting, but we know we can still do this. Yeah, and they find ways to win. And yep. again, that is one of the defining factors of a championship side. Yep. So very big props to the Brumbies for grinding that win out and finding a way to win. That will, again be good for them later in the season. Should we shift now into the Reds and Rebels game? Do you yeah. have anything else you wanted to say about the Brumbies? Um, no, I think that considering we've got so many games to go through, that's there. A um, mm-hmm. couple of players that I just wanted to highlight. Nos Lonergan looks like he has bulked up significantly. Um, this, his size was a bit of a factor last season because he's still pretty young. So he seems to have done a fair bit of work in the offseason. Might have put a bit more bulk on to just remedy some of the difficulties he was facing in attack. There's and... been a lot of talk and a lot of players in Australian rugby that have had a big off-season and have come back looking bulkier. Yeah. So I wonder if Rugby Australia has found some... I'm not going to say it's illegal, some but supplement, some supplement to add to the water that's, yep. that's just inflated shoulders and broadened <laughs> forearms. Well, and... I want whatever Nick Frost is having, mate, because he is just an absolute specimen. Um, but when you... big shout out to Rory Scott as well uh, for the Brumbies. He started, I wasn't expecting him to start. I was thinking Jerome Brown would probably start ahead of him. And he had a fantastic game, a couple of key turnovers, had an engine that went the entire match, stayed on the whole time. He was excellent with for them too. So I didn't get to see the game, so I haven't, I'm not really familiar with everything that happened, but how did the ex-Brumbies players go? How was Rajan Pasatoa. Um, Pasatoa was excellent. He showed a lot of composure in, um, I think it might have been his first starting match yeah, uh, within Super Rugby. 
Um, not 100% on that one, that fact, but it's at least obviously the first one for his new team. He showed a lot of composure, um, had a couple of kicks that went out in full, um, but by and large was passing very well, tapping very well, would straighten and run at the line and often get his shoulders through when required. He he had good involvement. Kunzel had to go off about 30 minutes in for a HIA. I think he failed okay. his HIA and didn't come back on. Um, and you know what? People may not like this take, but I didn't rate Fines Oliawasa in this game. Um, he, Ooh. there were a couple of times he tried to do... Because you're an East Coaster. Yeah, that's definitely it. Um, yeah. I just think that he, a couple of times tried to do too much and ended up literally running around in a circle. Um, <laughs> but then he also, it might've been because the forwards were tiring when I was watching these moments and having this thought come through, but he'd often just kind of wait with the ball at the back of the ruck for what I thought was too long. And if he'd been able to increase the speed of the ruck play, they might, might've been able to maybe work on, on some tired links in the Brumbies defenders defensive line. But I just wasn't, I'm expecting miracles from him every game because he's so damn good and he didn't bring one. So yeah, uh, yeah look, he, he didn't play badly, but it just wasn't as good as I was hoping for with the hype that's been coming around him. But that's to be yeah. expected from a young player as well. They can't be consistently excellent every single game. That's right. That's right. Fantastic. Is that enough? Are we done with the Brumbies and Force? Shall we move on to the Reds? I don't think we're ever done with the Force, mate. But yes, let's move on to the Reds <laughs> and Rebel. So, Queensland Reds got up in a pretty... Oh, look, I'm going to say... And sorry to you, Mitch, as our resident Reds fan, because Rev couldn't make it tonight. I'll wear, I'll wear the flag. I'll, I'll wear the You'll flag. Wear the I'll flag. wave the flag wave tonight. I'll wear the wear jersey. It. It, was, yep. it wasn't a great game. Um, no. It wasn't a particularly great spectacle, despite some of the endeavor that both teams put in. It was willing, without a shadow of a doubt, but was not particularly effective, you know? So the Reds got up 23-5 to against the Rebels. Um, possession and territory stats are pretty even. Meters run are pretty even. Um, everything basically was unremarkable within the game. The thing that really I unremarkable. No, I'm just saying from a statistics oh. point of view, like nothing standing I was out. Say, have you not the seen the opening try? No, Come on, just listen was... to what I'm saying, please. Let me finish my sentence. Um, but there were some really great moments in it. So why don't you take us through that first try and how good it was? Yeah, so the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Ryan, I mean, uh, Taniela Tupo crossing over for the Queensland Reds for the first try of 2022. Fantastic. You love to see it out on the wing where all props should be. Yep. Uh, and we've got to give a big shout out to Taniela for that one as well, for the fact that, and I don't know if you saw this in the post-match press conference, but he did the little uh, baby carriage, baby yep. rocking yep. uh try celebration and we revealed to Stan in the post-match that he's actually expecting his first child so oh, how congratulations cool. to Taniela for that one that's great to see and that warms the heart but uh, in all seriousness yes great to see Taniela go over for the try there and I'm disappointed that he's not in my fantasy team so I can't <laughs> get the points there but I've got Angus Bell so I that's, guess that's that pretty exciting evens out um what was the question? I'm rambling I, I about didn't ask how great Taniela is and just how... You've done it. You've done it. How, You're all good. How amazing so, he is, how big his legs are. One of the questions... Uh, stop talking. <laughs> one of the questions that I wanted to raise to you or bring to you and discuss was considering the fact that the Reds are the Super AU champions, do you think this was a champion performance? Will they be disappointed? Will they be happy with the outcome? What's your takeaway? 
Yeah, look, there's definitely work-ons for the Reds from this game, and I don't think Brad Thorne's going to go in there and slap everyone on the back and say that was a fantastic performance and well done. Like, they, they got the victory. They did all they could. They didn't come away with a bonus point, which is probably something that they were looking at doing from this game. Um, but we've also got to take into consideration that it was like monsoonal pouring mm. for this, particularly the second half. And there was a lot of drop ball in this game and set piece was just sloppy from both teams. So the fact that the Reds were still able to score a few good tries, come away with the Chockeys, get those points. They didn't have a great preparation coming into 2022, coming into round one. They um, lost both of their trial games and they've been hit with COVID. They had... Hunter Paisami pulling out right before kickoff with a quad injury. Um, hamstring. not hamstring, is it? Okay, uh, a leg injury, whatever it is. How long we, he's out, we're not quite sure at this point. But yeah, disrupted preparation coming into round one. So I think they will at least just be happy that they came away with the victory. Um, probably not the performance that you would expect should be the Super Rugby AU final or the Super Rugby Pacific final, but. Reality is, it's round one. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge. They did enough to get the victory. Yeah, one of the areas that I think the Reds will be particularly concerned about, despite the fact that they did get the win, and there's a lot to celebrate about that basic reality, was that their lineout percentage was 70%. They only got 12 from 17, and the Rebels were going 12 from 13. So the fact that the Rebels, with look, two locks um, who are quality, who are decent, but then kind of like not world-beating quality. Um, it's just a bit worrying because it's an area of strength, I would have thought, for the Reds. So Matt Phillip and Ross Hallett-Petty were able to really effectively... And you know what, that's a bit harsh on Matt Phillip. He's bloody good. Um, Ross Hallett-Petty, though, probably wouldn't be starting if it wasn't for Trevor Hosea's injury. And I just was really surprised at how easily the... Um, the Rebels were able to disrupt the Reds' line out. And again, similar to what we saw with the Brumbies, it just meant that it was really, really disjointed from the Reds. Uh, but the thing that kind of differed from with between the Rebels and the Force in terms of that line-out disruption was the fact that the Rebels themselves were just so poor with their um, knock-ons and basic mistakes that they made. Yeah, with their basic handling. Yeah, basic handling. So they conceded 23 turnovers which is yeah. just far too much for a professional team, especially someone with as much pride and um, expectation for this season as the Rebels. Yeah, definitely. And again, as we said before, the conditions didn't play into that and there was a lot of drop ball from both sides. But uh, it's, got to, it's got to improve and it's got to be better mo- moving forward in the next few weeks. Yeah, agreed. And now, what do you think was particularly lacking from the Rebels? Is there anything in particular that you think they should be working on for their upcoming match? Yeah, look, this is uh, something we spoke about last year that the Rebels really struggled with, uh, particularly in Super Rugby AU. They seemed to improve in the Trans-Tasman last year, but it hasn't progressed into Super Rugby Pacific just yet, is their ability to actually penetrate the line and score tries. They had a lot of possession early on in this game where they were hammering the Reds line in the 22, and they just kept getting turned away. Taniela Tupo got that yellow card for offside or um, deliberate sneaky offside. shoulder. Yeah, he was offside, but if they looked at the, the replay, it probably was a sneaky shoulder charge as well. Um, so they had they were in the prime seat there. They were down seven points. They were attacking the Reds line, phase after phase, pick and drive after pick and drive, and they just weren't able to get the try. 
and they actually got over once or twice and the Reds were able to t- hold them up and disrupt the ball. And they just never looked like they, particularly the back line, didn't look like they had a lot of punch and a lot of direction in attack. And it wasn't until early in the second half that they actually started to go to, or just before halftime, I think they scored that first mall try, that they kept it in the forwards and they were starting to use that engine that we spoke about in the pre-season preview that we know they've got. They've got a good forward pack. They kept it in tight and that's where they scored points. And so they kept trying to go out the back. They kept trying to penetrate the line that way and it just wasn't working. They really needed to keep it in tight. Yeah, I think what they're missing though is not having, say, Trevor Jose or Pony Farmer because whilst their forward pack is actually probably one of the strong points. Um, oh, they didn't have Rob Liotta either. So having yep. Sam Wallace, Ross Hale at Petty, and what, maybe Caboose, Elof starting. Caboose is solid. And the others, they're all solid players. But I just think that the impact that the three guys who I mentioned who were injured bring is just that extra kind of game line threat. Mm. Um, players who are going to get you over that advantage line and provide some kind of continual flowing attacking opportunity and the fact that i mean brad wilkins try which was fantastic for him to get after a pretty injury ravaged season last year um it was really one of the only times that the rebels really looked like just kind of threatening they just yep. didn't seem to have much chance and a really good example of that was the um the substitution of the scrum halves so when james tuttle came on for joe powell um, Tuttle's involvements the first two times he touched the ball he knocked it on like literally yep. and you just obviously expect greater impact from your bench particularly from an experienced player like James Tuttle and it just shows that I mean look maybe I'm being too harsh it was wet it was raining a lot of pressure on but you just need more it was, from your bench yeah wet and players. humid yeah 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 yep. so look maybe again maybe that's a little bit harsh but you just want more you know you want more impact from your bench and with really inexperienced players like Yong Tunamapaya or Ray Nu coming on, they're just, they, they don't have the bench depth in their back line that a lot of other teams like the Brumbies and Reds will do. Yeah, and that is one of the problems across the board for the Rebels at the moment is they can, when everyone's fit, they can name a pretty exciting 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Ford pack particularly has got a lot of punch in it and there's a lot of talent there. And as you said rightly before, Ando, that was one of the areas they were missing is those big ball running players in the midfield that the nimble faster backs would be able to work off with a sneaky offload uh it's when they start to get injuries and those players those first choice players aren't available that their second string players that we're looking at coming in don't have a lot of experience and don't have a lot of super rugby knowledge so they're not able to gel as well with the players around them um Adding into the injury list is Andrew Kellaway, who I didn't realize was injured prior to this team being named this week. And I think that, again, was another big loss for them because not only is he such a great finisher and would finish off nearly everything that is thrown his way, he's a great leader as well. And he would have a massive input into helping shape that back line and, and leading around Carter Gordon and maybe potentially taking some of that effort off Matt Tamua's shoulders. Yeah, I agree. And look, it... Like we said at the beginning of the season, the problem they're going to have is injuries. And unfortunately, the Rebels have already been hit with those injuries. And I just really worry that if over the coming weeks they get one or two more of their key players out, it's going to be a very ugly season for them. Mm. All right. So 
where do we go next? What looks? What does the future look like for the Rebels, particularly Endo? Oh, look, they've got a really important game this week against the Force at home. And look, as much as the Force played well against the Brumbies, the Rebels have to be targeting this as a win, just because the Force aren't the aren't coming off the back of a fantastic 2021 season and they need to try and take the opportunities whilst the force are in a row to get points off them so the rebels have to be targeting this as a win and the problem that i think is that even with the inexperience of the force backline they're still a bit more exciting and kind of well gelled than the rebels backline so it's going to be really really challenging but if they, like I mentioned before, if they get a couple of key injuries, I can very easily see the Rebels coming 11th or 10th this season. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, you highlighted this game this weekend as a big indication for them or a big circle on the calendar. That's one of the, the victories that they would be highlighting. And we already know that the Reds, sorry, the Rebels and the Force fixtures last year, particularly with the history of the Force being kicked out of Super Rugby is always a fiery clash because there's so much history there against two teams. Uh, I'm excited to see how it goes, but there's some big names that really need to come back for the Rebels for them to really start to fire, I think. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, are you right if we move on? And what... Talk I th- through the New Zealand games? Yeah, I think we're going to talk through the New Zealand games. Now, mate, I and need to be totally obvious. Call it a night? Yeah, I think so. Um, I need to be really upfront in that, like I mentioned, I was at the pub yesterday with my mates and um, I kind of don't remember a bunch of the New Zealand games. So I obviously know the scores and I saw a couple of moments from it, uh, but you might need to run this one a little bit more. So with <laughs> the score lines for the matches, you had the Crusaders getting up against the Canes 42 to 32, so up by 10 points. And then the Chiefs over the Highlanders 26 to 16. So both of them were somewhat close encounters with only 10 points separating each. Um, and we obviously had Moana Pacifica and the Blues having their match um, postponed because of some COVID cases um, earlier on within the last fortnight. So which of these do you want to quickly touch on, mate, and speak to? There's one point that's gone around on social media they've got to ask your thoughts on oh, yeah. from the Chiefs and Highlanders game. Now, I don't know if you recall this, but there was a try in, I think it was the early second half, where Peter Solakula oh, yeah. takes the, the yeah. ball off the side of the scrum. Aaron Smith's coming across in cover defense and he Olympic vaults hurdles him, him. Hurdles, hurdles him straight over the top. Uh, Aaron Smith goes sliding over the sideline. No, about four, five, six, 12 centimeters between them. And he lands in the try line and scores. Now there's been a lot of talk around whether this try should have stood or not. What are your thoughts? I, I don't think it's illegal to do it. Well, it's it? not illegal to jump over a player to avoid being tackled, but had Aaron Smith actually tried to tackle him, it would have been the Chiefs player who could be penalised for uh, dangerously jumping into contact. Hmm. That's... Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. If if Aaron Smith had tackled him and kind of he'd been flipped up um, because Soakula was in the air, so Soakula had been flipped... I don't think Aaron Smith should have been penalised or it should have been his responsibility, right? If he'd been going in for a regulation tackle. Mm. Um, I just think it's a kind of let the boys play. It didn't happen. So let's worry about it when it does happen. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'm happy to see the try stand, but it's just, it's, it's one of those gray areas of rugby where technically by the rule book had one 
tiny little fraction of a centimeter changed and Aaron Smith was able to make contact with him, then he could have been penalized. It would have been a no try and the penalty would have gone to the Highlanders because he has jumped over him to score the try. What happens if in the in the instance of diving over Aaron Smith to score the try, there's a winger there who tries to then catch him and like it's just a dangerous mate, act. Mate, mate, more importantly, I just realized we haven't spoken about this. What do you think Angus Gardner has said to Harry Wilson in the last week that's resulted in Harry Wilson trying to run over the top of him and take him out? So there's a rumor that Angus Gardner has a direct line to Dave Rennie yep. and told him specifically not to take him on the spring tour last year mm, from sounds, a referee's perspective yep, yep. because they don't like his attitude. And so he's just seen him round one and just run straight at him. Well, what do you think about the fact that um, in Gardner's tackle, absolutely no arms are used whatsoever. It's one of those grass cutters that kind of Pilata now was used to. And then he goes ahead after even not even using tackles, uh, using arms in a tackle, and then blows the whistle to stop the game so that nobody else can kind of stop the game and card him. I think <laughs> yeah. this is a blatant abuse of power after he's deliberately taken out a player. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, though, and as, as funny as it is to see a referee get knocked over, Angus Gardner did have a lot of time off last year with a back injury. Yeah. So I was just I was thankful to see that he got up and was actually able to carry on because it would have been horrendous for <laughs> him to have received another injury like that or re-injured that same um, injury considering that yeah. he's now back on the scene. He's been refereeing the Six Nations and, and flying the Aussie flag. It's also just a bit careless from Harry Wilson, really. Like, it's not as though Gardner's made a late movement or something like that. He's in the spot that all referees are when they're refereeing the scrum. And he's it's just almost, chosen an unders line to basically just collect him. He's it's just almost got it like all wrong. it's that instance where you can sort of see Angus Gardner starting to like, you know, he's he's jogging on the spot. Like he's, do I go forward? Do I go back? Do I go forward? Do I go back? And by that point, it's too late, and he's on him. <laughs> so. Anyway, um, for the New Zealand games, look, it's kind of no surprise that the Chiefs and the um, Crusaders both got up. I don't think anyone is overly surprised by that. Although I did pick the Canes in my tipping. Again, that was to be a point of difference and I thought they might have been able to get an upset. Uh, but yet again, the um, Saders were just too good. How about Fang Lester Fanganuku getting a hat-trick? 8th eighth and 14th and then 51st minute tries. Absolutely great. You'd be happy as Punch if he was on your fantasy team, huh? I mean, who, who's who got him, really? Some, <laughs> this some absolute guy. legend of a dude right here. here. So I'm pretty stoked to see how many points I get for him. Um, but I will say quickly before we move off this yeah. that I was a little surprised, uh, not surprised, but we know Aaron Smith is such a great player and he is going to carry this Highlander se- this team through the season. But I was actually really impressed with the replacement, Fakatava, who came on yeah. yep. um, early in the second half. And by that point, the Highlanders just looked a little bit stagnant. It sort of looked like they didn't have an answer for what the Chiefs were serving up. And by Aaron Smith going off and Fakatava coming back on, he really actually started a resurgence and they scored a few quick tries. Uh, and he allowed to keep them in the game for a long period of time. So interesting to see maybe there is a little bit of a shift in, in dynamic going on at the Highlanders. At the is that your hot take, mate? By the end of the season, Aaron Smith oh, might be no, starting. No. 
<laughs> no, that's not my hot take. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Need a bit more evidence for, before we go that path. Yep. Um, well, really, let's just move on because we're an Aussie rugby podcast, so we're going to mention the scores, but we're going to focus on the Aussie games. And I think we've covered them all. Are you happy to move on, my friend? Yeah, I mean, there was, there's nothing else of significance for this round of Super Rugby, so I think we've done our due diligence as I think rugby so. union fans. I think so. And, um, I mean... One question I just want to quickly ask you before we move on. Um, which mm. team is top of the Super Super Rugby table at the moment? Moana Pacifica, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, but sorry, I have mate, to you're check. Wrong. I mean, they haven't played a game yet, so really, yeah, I think it just leaves one other team that we haven't really spoken about, apart from the Blues. The Drua? Nah, the Waratahs, mate. The Waratahs got up forty Who? to ten on Who Friday are you talking night. About? The best team in Australian rugby right now. And we saved the best till last. We put the Force first and the Waratahs last to make everybody else happy that we finally spoke about the Force up front. So this section, at this point, we're looking about 33 minutes of speaking about the other teams. So if we crack an hour talking about the Waratahs, just, we've done it, well. It, yeah, we've done well. We've done our standard, what everybody expects. So basically, the Waratahs won a game. How weird does that feel? It was... It was exciting to be out there. I was I was out at the game. I, I normally say that in my intro, but we were doing the right thing and keeping <laughs> the Waratahs under wraps. I will say, uh, and I don't know how much it came across on the, the cameras at home, but there was a really sort of poignant image at the end of the game. So the Waratah, final whistle's blown. The Waratahs are in their try line. The Indrua have been attacking for a fair few minutes at that point. Uh, it's starting to sprinkle a little bit. And then as soon as uh, Nick Berry calls full-time, it absolutely poured. Like, it was thundering that heavy with rain. Yeah. Uh, and so, in some ways, I like to sit here and think as a Waratahs fan that that was 2021 washed off the Waratahs. Oh, the mate. muck's gone. How good. We've just had our first victory of 2022. We are now going undefeated for the rest of the year, the rest of the season, and you might as well just hand us the trophy now. That's a Shawshank Redemption moment, what, mate? Just kind of on their knees on the ground, staring up at that rain, just letting everything go. How good. And, I mean, it is it is just one of those moments where we have to take a bit of a measured response and go, finally, we've got that win that kind of washes away a lot of the pain of 2021. Doesn't mean that this year is going to be a glowing success for us, but it does mean that we're off to the best start we could have been on. Exactly. Um, we've won our trial games. We won a first cut match against a really tricky opponent because nobody had seen what the Drua had to offer. Um, and look, when and it then, came... can I just say, quick, yep. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but we didn't have a, a record loss in this game. So any, <laughs> if we had lost by any point, and by a, a single point, would still be a, a record loss against the Indrua. <laughs> that was genuinely my worry coming into this season because you're saying, or and other people are saying, oh, it can't, can't be worse, worse than last season. And I'm like, well, yeah, it can. We, could we can lose break those by records more. We could break more losing records, um, and so now we the first game that has not happened. So therefore, it is automatically better than twenty twenty one. So that's fantastic. Um, but actually, going into the game itself, the Drua were a really tricky opposition because we didn't know what they could bring. Um, there was a lot of hype around them. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of positivity and passion, and in so many ways, they are everybody's favorite second team. And I'm really going to enjoy following them this season, but. They did not perform particularly well on a night. They were pretty disjointed, a lot of drop ball. What was it like watching the Drua and what were your opinions of them being at the game? So starting off, yeah, with their performance on the field, it was it was disappointing 
from from them. We didn't know what to expect going into this, but we probably expected a little bit more than what they delivered. It was a relatively humid night out in Parramatta. It wasn't particularly wet. It started to rain towards the final whistle. Um, so there was a lot of unforced errors, a lot of drop ball going into contact, but not in contact that was disappointing. Um, and it will take time. We know that this thing, these things do take time for a new team of players who've come together from different backgrounds and different levels of experience to come together and play Super Rugby, which is one of the hardest and fastest competitions of rugby in the world. So we do know that that was going to be a difficult task. But we probably expected them to be a little bit more competitive than what they were. Not taking anything away from the Waratahs, they performed very well and put the Indra under a lot of pressure and forced a lot of the errors as well. In flipping the coin to an off-the-field perspective, it was a little disappointing there was a great crowd there for the Indrua. It was fantastic to be in Western Sydney. It felt like being in Suva. It really did. Going into the game, there was there was flags everywhere. There was a lot of Fijian supporters wearing the Indrua kit, the jerseys, the warm-up tops. It was fantastic. When they came out and did the war dance, it was spine-tingling stuff. Like they were, whatever they do, Chahu or whatever the... You know the the shout that the, they do in the crowds. It was it was really, they were really getting behind. It was was fantastic. There was one or two points in the first half where they got close to scoring and they were scoring down the end where the crowd was and the crowd was really getting behind them. But apart from that, there wasn't a lot for the Fijian and Drua fans to cheer for, and it was a little disappointing because there was a good crowd there for them and the Waratahs really silenced them for a lot of it, and it ended up being quite yep. uh, quite silent. And that was one of the things that I found was um, watching the game back this morning. I'm so frustrated that I wasn't able to get there. Um, for those of you who don't know, I wasn't able to get out with Mitch to the game because I had a work event that I only got told about on Tuesday. Uh, and that's just fantastic. So there was no way I could get out of it. I was one of the speakers and had to be there. So we were thinking of just doing it remotely from like the toilets at Parramatta Stadium, just kind of jumping in on oh, Zoom the, there. They only had half the stadium open, so you could have gone and sat in the in the stands down the other end and would have had no one in sight. No one would have known you were there. <laughs> well, should have done that. I'll do it next time. Um, but watching a game uh, back on Saturday morning, when, every time the Waratahs scored a try, there was barely any cheering from the crowd. Um, and it just seemed to indicate how much support there was for the Drua versus the Waratahs. And that is one thing that I will say that when the Waratahs announced, and I don't want to go into the negativity side of things because we're a positive rugby podcast and we love the Tars and we want to support them and we are passionate diehard fans. We've both got full season memberships. We Ando would have been there had he been allowed to uh, and I was there and I will be there for the rest of the season. When it was announced that they were playing their opening game at Parramatta and the rest of their games at Leichhardt Oval bar that one game at the SCG, there was a lot of outcry on social media saying, why aren't they playing all of their games at Parramatta Stadium? It's such a great stadium. It's brand new, great facilities, this, 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 and this. Leichhardt Oval doesn't even compare. Now, if you look at it from a... Yes, technically, they are right when you look at it from a, a ground perspective. Yes, Parramatta is shiny and new and it has great facilities. It's it's easy to get to from in terms of getting in and out. But they played this game there and I reckon there would have been 1,000 Waratahs fans there. From yeah. probably the six to seven, maybe eight thousand fans all up that were there, they were all Fijian supporters. So you can't, as Waratahs fans, sit back and and criticize the Waratahs for choosing to not play their games at Parramatta and then not go 
when they play. So we really need to get behind the team. One of the things... Everyone needs to get behind the Waratahs and they need to go out. And Leichhardt Oval next week is going to be fantastic for that atmosphere because it is, it's a smaller ground, it's a smaller venue. You can get so much closer to the players. Yeah. But we really need to support the team and we need to support the Waratahs in the decisions that they make and back them for that. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges that, I've, that I'm finding is I'm trying to encourage mates to go out to the Tars games because the tickets are bloody cheap and it's easy as to go. But there's just so much apathy about the kind of stadium experience and how low the crowds are. And I'm like, man, you've got to start If people somewhere. want to know how cheap the, they were, I had family friends come with me at last minute and I got all of their general admission seats for $10. That's brilliant. $10 That's for general admin. Like, brilliant. There's no excuses for not being able to afford it. The Waratahs are doing everything they possibly can to get a following. So, get behind them. Get behind them. Now, what positives can Adrua actually take from this game? For me, um, there was a lot of... They had a couple of good moments. I mean, traditionally, you'll see this within Fijian teams, or we have this stereotypical expectation of kind of hard, loose forward running, um, offloads in contact. And we, we did see that. The thing that I found really impressive was particularly in the second half, the pressure they were able to put on the Waratahs scrum. Um, young Tian Tawakipulu had a really, really rough game when he came off the bench. He seemed to just not be able to hold his feet at all in the scrums and eventually got yellow carded. And as soon as Harry Johnson Holmes came back on, the scrum issues were sorted immediately. So I'm sure he's not going to be feeling too great about his performance, but it also says a lot to um, the Druid as well. So well done for having a decent scrum that was able to uh, force a yellow card and um, put a lot of pressure on in the final 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things as well with the Drua is the Waratahs ran out pretty early on. They scored pretty quickly after halftime and the scoreline was 42 to 10 final time, but got full time, sorry. But in the last 25 minutes, the Waratahs didn't score a single point. Yeah. And the Drua were the ones that were attacking with the ball. Uh, as we mentioned, there was a few positional changes and substitutions made that shifted the momentum back in the Indrua's favor. There was a few calls that Nick Berry was just letting go to to try and even things out, I think. But in uh, in all seriousness, the Indrua, the intent and the drive was there to hold in the game, and they kept going at the Waratahs right up until the final whistle. They weren't able to get over the line. They did a few times, and the Waratahs were able to hold them up. But the fact that the players didn't shut off and they really gave a full 80-minute performance and showed that intent for the full 80 minutes is really positive for them. And they will grow massively in the next few weeks. They know the pace that Super Rugby's played at now. They know what they need to do to be competitive. Hold on to the ball. Some of the kicks that they were going for that didn't quite come off, and we're looking at different outcomes here. So they're not massively off the pace. And it will take them some time to really gel as players and as a team. But the the drive is still there and you could see that this week. And I think that is the biggest uh, positive for the Drua that they, they really stuck in there for the full 80 minutes. One of the players that really stood out to me is having an excellent um, carrying game in the loose was the starting lock, Isoa Nasi Lasila. And he was just really dynamic in the way he was able to break tackles, carry uh, Waratahs players with him. Um, I have no idea where he's from, like in terms of his rugby background, but I'm really looking forward to watching him further. Um, and also, I mean, do you see the yellow card um, on 
Koroi Dua Dua. Yeah. That was, that was a silly yellow card. And you think that pretty quickly um, they're going to be stamping down. I think it's Mick Burnett's coach. They're going to be stamping yeah. down on those silly brain snap moments. Well, it was addressed in the post-match conference and Nick just said that at the, uh, Mick, sorry, at the at the moment, he's not clamping too much on there. He's just letting the players feel the moment. This is their first inclusion in Super Rugby. This is something they've dreamed about for years. Yeah. And they're representing their nation. They're not just representing their state or their hometown. They're representing Fiji. Yeah. So they are G'd up. They are out there to perform well. They are out there to put in a dominant performance. So there was a few times where they probably pushed it a little too far. And there was a bit of scrap that broke out. Um, the Waratahs were willing to engage in that as well, which is another issue to talk about. But uh, I think that's something they will address in, in coming weeks. But at the moment, Mick was very much talking around just letting them feel the moment, feel the presence of and the, the spirit that flows through the jersey and uh, let the players just savour it. What do you think's changed from 2021? until 2022 for the Waratahs. Obviously, you've got the change of coach, so that's pretty key. You've got the new players that, are camp- that have come in. But look, by and large, the squad is mostly the same, except for the locking department. Um, why is there such a stark difference in terms of effort and quality of performance between last year and this year? Yeah, so one of the first things that really was evident in their performance was their defensive intent. So they were not missing tackles. They were making big hits left, right, and center. They were making dominant hits and driving the the Indrua players back. Some of the outside backs were hitting guys double their size and actually driving them back off their feet. So they were really out there to, to have that intent around being a physical dominant side in defense. Um, one of the other things that I noticed at the ground, and I don't know if this was as evident on the replays or on the TV, was their discipline around the breakdown. So the Waratahs players would go to ground and they would do everything within their power to get out of the way and get back on their feet mm-hmm. and very, very quickly. So they were not, there was hardly ever a time when there was a player pinned in the, or just lying around the breakdown. Towards the end of the game, there was a few of the looser forwards who were a bit bigger and, and tired who were taking a little bit longer. But for the most part, there was real intent there to get back up on your feet and get back into play, which is something we didn't see last year from the Waratahs. They were particularly sloppy around the breakdown. So that was one area that I was really impressed with. And the other was their intent to hold the player up in the tackle. It's a very sort of rugby league thing to do, to go high and to wrap the ball up. But what they were doing well, and they got a few turnovers, three or four from off the top of my head, by just going high in the, in the contact, holding the ball up, holding the player off the ground so their knees don't go down so it's considered a tackle and then it becomes a maul and then driving a meter or so forward and then taking it to ground once it's been called a maul and getting the reset. So that was, I think that's a little bit of DC magic there as well because we hadn't seen that last year. Yeah, a couple of points to be kind of adding to um, that is I really like some of the attacking intent that they showed, particularly with the fact that um, players like Jed Holloway, Angus Bell or Harry Johnson-Holmes are very willing to be... um, trying to do an offload through the tackle or to be doing one extra pass. Like link to, men. Yeah, yeah. Or to be doing that extra pass um, just to get outside that initial kind of, um, that jumper within a rush defense, the person who shoots out of the line to just get the ball past them. Um, they were trusting their hand a little bit more and balls were going to hand a lot more than we'd seen previously. So maybe that's a skill improvement. And then supporting what you were saying, 
interesting stat is that um, the Druid did not get a single clean break against the Waratahs, but we had five against the Druid. So that just speaks a lot to the um, quality of the Tars' defensive effort. And interestingly, interestingly, we had five offloads to one. You would have expected that to be the other way around just from a stereotypical point of view. But I think that also shows that the uh, 20 turnovers that the Druid conceded meant that they just did not have much continuity within their attacking exactly. play. Exactly. Um, and another quick point before we kind of finish up was, <laughs> do, do you have the stats up in front of you? Yes. Okay, so maybe you haven't looked at this. If you haven't, no. I want you to guess. What was our winning, what was our scrum percentage for the Waratahs? 94%. 42%. Oh, 42, because if you think all the The ones that Tian Taukipulu got absolutely pinged for, that was maybe four or five of them right there that we just got smashed on. And then penalties, we conceded 21 penalties to 12 against the Fijian Drua. So that'll just be something for DC to be working on with the team. But look, yeah. overall, I think um, Drua fans should be incredibly proud of what their team stands for, represents, and passages of their play. They will get better. And I think they're going to be... Um, they will get a few wins this season, but I'll be very surprised if they make the finals. Um, I just think that this season will be far too early and then in maybe the third season there'll be a team that's kind of pushing for finals on a consistent basis yep anything else you want to touch on from this game my friend I think we've spoken enough about the Waratahs we could talk about it all night we could break it down into individual runs by individual (laughs) players but no one wants to hear that so why don't we move into our hot takes of the week All right, mate let's do it All right, here we get to what might just be my favorite segment of this pod, which is the hot take of the week. And with the Waratahs getting the first win of Super Rugby Pacific, my first hot take, Mitch, is that the Waratahs are going to be the 2022 Super Rugby Pacific champions. How, what do you think about that one? How do you feel? That's a bold call. That's a bold call. <laughs> it's um, also a completely false. I'll take my Waratahs hat off here and don my Western Force hat and say, how could you? That's how, clearly how, not going to happen. How could I? Well, either way, that's okay. Um, I actually do have some hot takes from the Waratahs that I did want to chat about. Yep. Um, this one is kind of on the back of Jake Gordon's fantastic performance on Friday night versus the excellent form that he showed in 2021. Um, my hot take is that, and this is going to be very unpopular, very unpopular. All right, I like um, it. I actually am starting to rate him more than Tate McDermott. Get out. Yep. Come I've said on. It. I've said it. That's not I've a hot take. It. That's a take. Nah, it's a hot take. We'll have to and, beat that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, genuinely, and don't get me wrong, I think Tate's a fantastic player, but I just think that Jake Gordon is in bloody good form, and he has been for about the last 12 months. His running game is coming along really well. He's an accurate passer. He's fairly physical within the tackle zone. Mm -hmm. I just think he's becoming a really well-rounded player. And Tate still has issues with his passing accuracy, as we saw in some pretty horrible conditions on Saturday night. So, look, it's a bit of a... It is a hot take. Yep. That is not to say that I think Tate is bad. I just think 
Gordon's form is fantastic. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if he leapfrogs Tate in the Wallabies pecking order if he maintains his form into the England internationals. The only thing I will say, we did see that in the France series. So Jake Gordon finished off the last two tests uh, or was started the last two tests in the France series last year. And then yeah, Jake Gordon... Uh, then, uh, Nick White was injured, wasn't he? So I think yeah, Tate, he was, Tate was the replacement. So he finished the tests off. Um, but then come the end of the year, come the rugby champs and then into the, the European tour... Tate McDermott was the go-to man. So, we'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, there's my hot take number one. Let's throw it over to you for your hot take, mate. Oh, you've got more than one. Okay. Well, oh, I've got more than one. I've yeah. only got one hot take, and it's not really a, a controversial call. It's more of just a cool story that I wanted to share. Uh, and one of the reasons that we have so badly needed a team like the Fijian in Drua in Super Rugby for so long they just bring a different flair to the game and not even just to the on-field stuff, but the off-field stuff. So what I'm talking about is on Friday night at Bankwest Stadium or Combank Stadium as it's now officially named, uh, there was a big group of Fijian fans sitting in front of me and about five minutes after kickoff, one of the guys takes off with a giant bucket of water. And I was like, <laughs> what's this all about? And he comes back and it's full of carver. And so these guys are just sitting in the stands having a carver session watching the rugby and they filled it up like three or four times. I just thought, this is fantastic. Like this is just something you don't see normally. Like this is such a a purely Fijian thing. It's so left field. I've never seen that before at a game of rugby, particularly at a game of super rugby. Uh, It was just really refreshing. It was just, it was great. I really loved it. It was really refreshing. Did you partake, mate? Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny, but no, I did not partake, <laughs> but um, it was cool to see. How good. They definitely bring a certain flavor, if you will, to the competition. But yeah. boom So, well done, mate. Um, now, the other hot take that I wanted to throw out there was around Australia's hooking stocks. Um, I am of the opinion that Dave Parecki will get a Wallabies cap this season and that he is in contention for pushing for starting honours. Uh, I think he is incredibly experienced, obviously, with his European um, European involvements. I think he is incredibly reliable as a hooker, and he has a good throw within a line-out. So combining all those things, plus he's Waratah, so therefore he's an automatic Wallaby, <laughs> uh, I think that he is going to get his Wallaby's debut in 2022. It's a Thoughts? good shout. It is a good shout, and I would love to see it. We'll see what happens and just hopefully. I think he needs a, a full year of as much injury-free as he can get. Uh, we saw last year he probably potentially would have been picked had he been not got that injury towards the end of 2021. So I, I definitely think it's a, it's a good call and I would love to see it happen. So that touch wood that he doesn't pick up any injuries and he can have a really big 2022. Well, why don't we shift across now to the locker room and thank you to everybody for getting involved and putting in your comments, questions and banter. So what we might do is start off with Vintage Red 25 who got in touch on Twitter saying, by the way, if you lead by one with two minutes left and lose, it's not the ref's fault. Should the force have kicked the ball out after the kickoff rather than down the middle? Um, well, they needed to find grasp before the ball went out. Um, otherwise, it just would have been a line out within their own kind of... Mm. Their, their own half um, and that was going to be hard to do as always it would have helped to run, wind down the clock 
So yeah, if they could have got the ball out after hitting grass, that would have been fantastic and the best option. But realistically, hoofing it as far downfield and having a strong and settled defensive line coming up is not a bad alternate option, but I think they were just too exhausted and didn't have a good defensive line. And so the Brumbies made heaps of meters and then got in the attack and got the try. Yep, that sounds about Um, right. So you've asked the question and then answered it. Yeah, yeah. Well Sorry, well I, got, I got excited. I That's got excited. all right. Good answer, um, good answer. What I'll do is I'll throw this next one to you, mate. So Australia's next top fly half asks, which of the young 10s, everyone but James O'Connor, impressed you the most? For me personally, it was Ben Donaldson. We chatted to him earlier in the year in our Waratahs preview, and he's a very young, very calm, settled kind of player, settled young man. We were really impressed with the way that he came across in our interview, and he's carried that form into 2022 and he's performed really well. I really like the way that he attacked the line. He was much, he stood a lot flatter than some of the other tens we've had, Will Harrison particularly. Um, and he just, one of the things the Waratahs was doing, we didn't speak about it particularly much in our review of the game, but they had a screen up sort of like the Brumbies used to do last year where mm. they would have a, a loose forward or two just standing in the midfield. And the, then they'd have the line at uh, the, backline set behind them and so you really weren't sure whether they were going to feed it to one of the forwards who's standing there in a pod or feed out the backline and Ben Donaldson did very well in sucking in the defenders and then feeding it down that backline and really and really giving a headache to the Druid defenders to try and figure out where the ball was going. His kicking was also on point as well so I'd I'd agree he was probably the most um, effective across the full match compared to any of the other 10s. thought Carter Gordon wasn't too crash hot um, but then again, he was playing in a pretty well-beaten team. Uh, Ristran Pasito, we've already spoken about. And Noah Lolasiu, he played all right, but he, he had a couple of handling errors um, and a couple of easy kicks. Uh, I think he missed a couple of kicks. Although now that I say that, I'm questioning myself. But either way, let's keep moving on. Uh, Glyn Phillips on Twitter asks, I can't, or states, I can't wait to see the Reds, Brumbies and Tars play each other to get a gauge on where they are relative to each mm. other. Force and Rebels were very competitive and will not be easy games for anyone. I agree with the Force. Not so sure about the Rebels based upon a round one performance, although I do expect them to get better. So, will the Druid get a win against the Aussie teams, Mitch? I think the Druid could really push the Rebels. And if that's a game that they... Are, if they're going to win a game, it's probably against the Rebels or the Force. But I, from what we've seen so far, I wasn't really impressed with the Rebels in round one. And I think, give them a few weeks to prepare, the Druid will probably push them quite hard should the rebels get some of their bigger players back and some of their wallabies players particularly it could be a different kettle of fish altogether so i would say sitting right here right now that it would be the rebels if the drill were going to get a win but i think overall the the level of rugby or the closeness there hasn't really there's no australian rugby team at the moment that looks a lot further ahead than any other yep uh, a couple of quick ones. Jason Sherman states or asks you guys doing an Aussie 15 of the round. Not this round, but it's a great question. That's a that good idea. We in. might. Um, so I think we might do it in future. Well, we might even do it later in the week. We can't fit it into the pod because this pod's already dragging on. But we <laughs> might p- put something together and then put it out on Tuesday. Yeah, great idea. Uh, rugby and stuff states love that force win. I think they got a little bit excited there. So either way, it That's was probably a dig wonderful us, performance. If anything. <laughs> Um, I love how many people complained that you put the um, the locker room questions up at the start of the final game. And they're like, you forgot about the force. And we're like, no, we put it up at the start of the match. 
Like, we're just getting everybody in early because we're recording in a few hours' time. Like, you're all sitting um, there watching the rugby. You're sitting there <laughs> watching it on Twitter and it comes up. So, it's clearly worked. It's got your attention. So, you can ask your questions <laughs> as rugby it. and Go stuff has it. done, which is good. Good. Um, Tom Martin, thoughts on Tom Banks's touch finders from penalties? He's been such a precise kicker in recent years, but this round one game versus Western Force seemed really off. Yeah, look, he didn't seem to be getting as many metres. He didn't seems to be taking a one or two steps before he goes for the kick of the ball. You know how he, he makes the mark and then kind of kicks it about two or three steps beyond where he's made the mark? And then goes um, and changes his boots and reads a book. Yeah, exactly. And, like, so, he sh- 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 so he wasn't... So he wasn't doing that. He wasn't getting the meters mm. either. So I just... Maybe he's had a change in technique that's taking a while for him to get used to within a game situation. Uh, Brian Knight. Oh, Lincoln Adler. This one you like, mate. The only hot take I have, Tars of the 22 Prems. See you at the game next weekend. Yes, do you agree love with that one? it. We will. Yep. yep. So we're going to try and do a bit of a meetup um, at the Tars vs. Reds game just beforehand to grab a beer, say good day to people. So yep. um, make sure you get involved with that. And then finally, I think, mate, this is a f- perfect or fantastic uh, addition to finish on. Brian Knight, legend of the pod. Will you talk about the game of the round? Or waffle on about the Tars getting a win for God knows how long. I'm pretty sure the Waratahs was the game of the round. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm. And um, we have spoken about it for long enough. So thank you for giving us that support as always. <laughs> Love it. All right. Love it. So what I think we'll do now, we'll move into the presser. So this week, we didn't get your questions in. We, we didn't send a tweet out. We were just figuring out how things really worked. So we've recorded the press conferences. The press conferences also are available on rugby.com.au as a video. So you can go and watch it there. But what we will do is just include a minute or two or a few minutes of just the highlights of the press conference for this week. But what we'll do from next week, once we've got your questions, we will include the audio of the answers to the fans' questions. So this week, probably a little bit anticlimactic, but next week is where you're really going to have to jump to and listen to. Very exciting, mate. Well, thank you for that. Um, in future, like you said, we'll, let's get your questions in so we get them asked. But on that note, we'll put the audio in after this, but I think we might say goodbye, thank you, and all that right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for getting to this part of the pod. It's been a long one, but it's been a fun one. It is great to be back and talking about live rugby again in Australia. So, we thank also, you so much. We didn't mention it earlier. We probably should mention it now. Rev couldn't make it tonight. No, 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 he's fine. Everyone knows he is an absolute legend. And when he decides to be on the pod, he's on the pod. He was very adamant that the Reds were going to get a bonus point victory this weekend. And so when the Waratahs did and the Reds didn't, he just really couldn't get up to it. So that's why he uh, didn't come tonight. But hopefully next week he'll be back and he can dive into some stats for us. Well, hopefully we'd love, well, we will love to have him back on because he brings a lot of information, not only his stats, but also his charming good looks and wit and banter. So on that flattering note, why don't we finish things there? Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on this week. Always a pleasure. Thanks everyone. And if you're going to go to the Waratahs game on Friday against the Reds, we will hopefully try and get there about 45 minutes before kickoff. 7 p.m. we aim to get there. We will have our pick and drive hats on. Leichhardt's on a massive oval, so you should be able to find us, but we'll probably send a tweet out or something, just letting people know where we are, where you can find us. But if you are at the game, definitely do look out for us. Come say hi. We'd love to have a chat and catch up. 
uh, and just send us a message on on Twitter or Facebook if you are there and saying, where are you guys? And we'll let you know. How good, how good. Well, let's go. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Actually did, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, we touched on briefly how much pain we went through last year, and uh, you know to see how hard the group trained over that preseason period. Um, and then we joined the Wallabies boys, joined back. We saw how much effort they put in, and uh, it was a great reflection of that us tonight. What were you most pleased with tonight's performance? Definitely the defensive effort, especially against a dangerous team like like the Drua. Um, we knew we had to play at the right end of the field and take the emotion out of the game by taking points early. We definitely, definitely did that. Um, you know, even you know, speaking to Darren about the finish to the game, you know, there are teams that will roll over in those last five minutes and give him that, that last try and to see our, us fight and hold them up and not give him another try was was really pleasing. Passionate, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. It's actually a really good turnout. The crowd had some energy. Um, it's a really good night. What's your overriding emotion, Darren? First game in Good win. Yeah, yeah, it's um, probably not as the sheer elation I was expecting, maybe because the game was a bit uh, sort of closed out with a bit to go, so you sort of felt with maybe 15 or to go, yet we had the win, so it's not that, uh, you know, that, that last minute wave of ecstasy when the final whistle goes, but I'm just really happy for, for, for guys like Jake and Gilliam Witts and, and the staff and the players that went through what they went through last year, like... I mean, I'm only just jumped in here, so uh, for me it was, it was, yeah, it was a monkey off the back and, and that sort of thing. But for them, yeah, they should uh, they should be really happy and and feeling really good about themselves because that's uh, been a while coming. Uh, Jake already touched on it, but the defence obviously was a, a massive step up from last year. What were your thoughts on it, especially the last you know 15, 20 minutes? It kind of fell away a bit then. Yeah, all credit to Jason Gilmore. He's done an amazing job with our defence. He's, he's a world-class defence coach. And uh, besides commitment, the, the boys have got clarity. They know where they're going off different phases. They know what they're trying to do. We've we got a few lessons out of that. Like, they're a harder team to, to choke and hold up. They're big boys and they get metres post-contact. We probably didn't get everything right around some of our tackle selection. But... Um, yeah, you put Gilly's technical knowledge and, and the boy's heart into it and uh, and we showed right at the end. You say to the lads, you don't have to be perfect to win a game of footy. You don't have to win every battle to win the war. you just got to win most of them. And uh, you can make an error and then defend like we did. We made a few errors in that last 20, but we just defended with our nuts out and really sort of kept them out. Oh, I think that uh, the boys found out tonight what Super Rugby's about and... Uh, they went out there and expressed themselves and I'm really proud of the way they fought out the game and, and hung in there and they threw everything at it. So really proud of our first step out in the Super Rugby, 22 debuts, so we learned a lot. Getting used to that pace and just sort of the fine line between sort of executing, is that the main lessons you reckon you're going to take into these next couple of games? No, I think we, we, you know, like executing or as you said, I think before the combinations and just getting comfortable at the pace of the game, you know, you it all, it's all those things. I think it's a combination of all those together tonight. And uh, I was really, as I said, I was really proud with the way they fought it out. I mean, for you, Namani, just your thoughts, just getting that taste of Super Rugby action, how 
how you, how's the body feeling? How's the team sort of after that performance? Yeah, um, like uh, Coach said, first game, first game for us. Uh, all of these guys are playing uh, their first uh, ever Super Rugby competition. So uh, we now we now know how, uh, how what it's like to play at this level. I think we just take on the learnings that we can from this game and move forward. So did anything surprise you about what the Waratahs threw up or the sort of pace of Super Rugby? Yeah, just uh, they started well. I mean, we said to do the same thing, but you know, they executed uh, their game plan really well. Uh, for us, we just missed out on a few opportunities that we had. Our execution was not there, but uh, yeah, we take the learnings and then we go again next week.